Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Dominic Fercasa, sitting in for Cecilia and Damien, and this is Fifth in Mission. San Francisco's Laguna Honda Hospital is in the midst of yet another crisis. Federal officials have threatened to pull critical funding from the hospital over compliance issues, a drastic measure that could force Laguna Honda to close, potentially displacing hundreds of patients, many of whom are medically vulnerable. It's the latest in a string of recent dilemmas at the hospital, which is one of the largest skilled nursing facilities in the country. Chronicle staff writer Rachel Swan has reported on this issue, and she joins us now to help unpack it all. Hi, Rachel. Hey, Dom. So let's start at the beginning here. Um, When it comes to this latest crisis for Laguna Honda Hospital, how did we get here in the first place? Well, you know, Laguna Honda has a somewhat troubled history. As we've reported, between 2016 and 2019, there were a string of allegations of patient abuse. Those are separate from the... um, current troubles that the hospital is facing, but an investigation into those allegations resulted in a series of reforms, including a commitment to really proactively self-report any problems. So most recently in July, the there were two patient overdoses at the hospital. The hospital staff took it upon themselves to report these overdoses, which triggered this whole investigative process by the state and a series of corrective actions and site visits, which led to the state regulators finding more violations. And basically, the hospital was given this deadline of April 14th to, in a sense, come into compliance to fix everything. And they're they're scrambling to make it, basically. So so in other words, we had a situation where the, the patient abuse, abuse scandal, in case people don't know, there were, I think, more than 20 uh, patients uh, who are believed to have endured uh, systemic abuse at the hands of uh, Laguna Honda employees at the time between 2016 and 2019. That sets up this, you know, hair trigger for reporting for the hospital mm-hmm. down the line. And that that sort of system is what um, has um, cascaded, in a sense, and brought us to where we are with this these latest issues. Is that does that sound about right? Exactly. I mean, the gist is like the hospital has this troubled history of abuse. Um, as a result, they're really, I mean, what they would say is they're really trying to do the right thing. You know, like when a problem comes up, we're going to immediately report it to the state, which is what they're supposed to do, but you know, is also a sign of them. They've put in stricter reporting requirements. They're really trying to do the right thing. But the result of that is, in a way, they're they're uh, being scrutinized and penalized and made to uh, reform. So the, the overdoses and the discovery of, you know, paraphernalia up to it, including, you know, patients who were found to have lighters on them, that's thrown Laguna Honda out of compliance with, uh, with the feds and with state health regulators. And that, as I understand it from your reporting, has 
set the feds up to do what exactly? They're they're threatening to withhold some pretty critical funds, correct? Yeah, they're threatening to withhold reimbursements for Medicare and Medi-Cal, which is basically all the funds. I mean, that's that's really what sustains um, all programs and services and all the care at Laguna Honda. So what's at stake exactly if the hospital were to close? I know that hospital staff, after reading your story, or you know, some of the top brass at Laguna Honda have, you know, they 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 seem to say we're going to get it together and we're going to avoid this potential calamity. But set the stakes here for folks about what would happen if this place were to to close its doors. I mean, there are hundreds of patients. Do we know what would happen to them in a scenario like that? Yeah, you know, Dom, it's. It's unclear, and it looks like it it could be pretty grim. I mean, we're talking about 700 patients, and these are, in the words of officials, like complicated patients or patients with complicated needs, you know, um, people with dementia, uh, severe uh, behavioral you know, I- issues and severe substance abuse problems, they would be displaced. And um, it's unclear, you know, one high-level hospital official told me that, you know, there's this shortage of skilled nursing facilities that can really accommodate these types of patients, um, both in San Francisco and California and throughout the country. So, it's just unclear whether they would be able to get the kind of treatment that they received at Laguna Honda or that, you know, that they basically require. I mean, certainly every effort would be made to, um, in addition to keeping Laguna Honda open, just to, to find appropriate placement for these patients. But it's just unclear and they're, they're contending with a, a scarcity of resources. So what exactly does Laguna Honda have to do in order to fix this problem? What is it exactly that's going to bring them back into compliance and one would presume then the the good graces of the state and federal regulators that oversee them? You know, Tom, they weren't that specific as to the list of tasks they have to complete, but it's pretty clear the general theme is they can't they can't have substances or drugs or any kind of um, contraband paraphernalia on the hospital campus. And, um, you know, it's clear the rules at Laguna Honda are more strict than they are in the real world, you know, because like one of the more recent violations was someone who was on oxygen had a lighter, obviously like a lighter that's not, you know, what we would typically consider drug paraphernalia, although, you know, it's, it's uh, you probably don't want someone on oxygen to have a lighter, but you know, so that, so a lot of it falls within this theme of, you know, trying to prevent any kind of contraband from coming in or out, which is hard because, you know, patients, it's not a locked facility and patients are allowed to come and go as they please. And, you know, so they have to really balance, you know, patients liberty and ability to move and right to privacy with, uh, their desire to restrict things coming in and out of the hospital. I know one measure they're considering is uh, essentially scanners or scanning machines at the entrances, which would mm-hmm. screen visitors and, you know, essentially screen for things coming in. You know, they they say they've kind of 
they're they're doing more uh like with it i think the term they use was clinical searches the implication they're they're doing more um you know types of searches but they're they're sort of limited in terms of you know they don't want to invade patients privacy you know so so basically it's it's stuff like that it's screening of visitors it's um really restricting what visitors are able to bring in and um basically all sorts of measures to ensure that a no overdoses happen but also just that in general patients don't have access to um banned paraphernalia so so on the one hand if i'm hearing you correctly you've got a, a very large hospital with a large population and and few restrictions on patient mobility for people who are able to to get up on their own and move around and then mm-hmm. at the same time though you've got you know it's it's a clinical institution subject to what one would assume are fairly strict federal and state guidelines and 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 ultimately you know reading your story it was clear that if you don't abide by those guidelines you don't get access to the medicare and medicaid funds which is which is really what what is um which is underlying all of this exactly and the potential to lose those funds exactly exactly that's correct Well, stay with us. We're going to take a quick break right now. But when we come back, we'll be talking more with Chronicle staff writer Rachel Swan. You're listening to Fifth Admission. You can support the newsroom that creates this podcast by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. We're back with Chronicle staff writer Rachel Swan. So, Rachel, you you reached out to state regulators about this. Um, what is your read on Laguna Honda's progress ahead of the April fourteenth deadline? Because really, today was the day when this non-compliance, when this whole issue came to light. There have been a lot of maneuverings happening in the background up until today. So, I mean, is there you know April fourteenth is right around the corner at this point? Is there is there any concern that they might not meet that deadline? And you know. Therefore, the worst could happen. The hospital might have to close. You're right, Dom. I mean, April 14th, they have two weeks. The officials I spoke with seemed, I I guess I would say to use a cliche, cautiously optimistic. They certainly indicated that they are on a path to completing all the necessary reforms. They also were very clear that they're in constant conversation with state regulators and federal regulators that um, the conversations are amicable, that everybody's, you know, that everybody wants the hospital to stay open and is, you know, while they're kind of locked into this, what they call the perfunctory process, you know, of of having to, to place notices, give notice to Laguna Honda. I mean, they're also really trying to set the hospital on this path to stay open and reform. Um, and they did also say, you know, so they, so they gave the inv- indication that they're, they're on the way that there are some reforms they've made that still have to be essentially evaluated and validated by the state. Um, you know, and also that if the April 14th deadline comes and they haven't quite gotten there, I mean, there are options you know, there will be more negotiations before the funding is pulled. You know, they, they, 
or or there's at least a possibility of more negotiations of um you know some kind of performance plan or working plan to to get them on the right path. So they're they're optimistic at this point, but you know as we as we said like the stakes the stakes are really are really high. You know, we've we've talked a little bit already about the uh, – I'm tempted to call it the most recent crisis, talking about the patient abuse scandal, um, which was, you know, really horrendous sounding. And there have been substantial legal settlements to family members of patients who suffered, you know, allegedly suffered abuse at the hands of Laguna Honda staff. And that was a major, major crisis for the hospital. But you have to remember, there's also something a little bit more recent that they endured. And that was the pandemic. That was COVID-19. I mean, can you, can you talk a little bit about um, the, the hospital and how it weathered that, that storm? Because again, thinking about the patient population, thinking about 700 plus largely you know, medically vulnerable, fragile people in this institution, how did they come through the COVID-19 pandemic? <laughs> Not that we're through it all the way, of course, but then now they've stepped you know, right, into this, right into this new crisis. You know, I mean, that is an instance where Laguna Honda really, as you know, one of my colleagues has reported, uh, my colleague Sarah Ravani, that's an instance in which Laguna Honda really rose to the occasion. They essentially averted a coronavirus surge in the hospital. The San Francisco Department of Public Health, that which runs the hospital, worked very hard, took all their precautions. I mean, they did get some coronavirus cases, but it wasn't what we saw in other nursing homes or, you know, these types of facility rehabilitation facilities throughout the country. So, I mean, they really weathered the pandemic pretty admirably, but admittedly, it was a lot of strain on the hospital, you know, as it was on all hospitals. So they're coming out of this moment where there was a lot of stress and strain right into another one where they're having to deal with lingering lawsuits and big payouts to patients who have allegations of abuse. And then this next crisis, you know, which is the overdoses and the uh, corrective plan that followed. Rachel, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. And thanks for your reporting on this issue. Thank you so much, Dom. Really appreciate it. You can find this story and all of Rachel's reporting at sfchronicle.com and on the Chronicle app. Our thanks to King Kaufman for producing this episode, and thank you for listening. I'm Dominic Fracasa for Fifth Admission. Mission.